Welcome to Sealing God's People with your host, Dennis Beard. Jesus paid it all. On the cross, you're complete in him and have need of nothing else, in whom you're circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh, that is, uh, through baptism, in the name of Jesus Christ, Colossians 2, 10-12. Many say they're Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Why? Because they never had the spiritual circumcision of the heart in the spirit, Romans 2, 28 and 29. They're saying they're Jews, they are the spiritual Israel, but are not. They missed that baptism in the name of Jesus Christ was essential for salvation. That's just being born again, let alone the work of the ministry. We're told that we're simply believe on Jesus and you're automatically sanctified holy, that there's no obedience required. He takes you as you are and there's nothing of mortifying the deeds of the flesh. You can mind earthly things they think and make heaven. What Paul said, their God is their belly, who mind earthly things. And notice that he says those the ones that mind the earthly things. It's very evident what Paul's stating there. And he says that they're enemies of the cross. Notice, he said, brethren, be followers together of me and mark them which walk as you have us far as ensemble, as an example, for many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Why? Whose end is destruction, not salvation. Why? Even whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things, not heavenly things, not thus setting their affection on the things above, but on the things beneath. Faith requires uh, that we have the mind of Christ, setting our affections on the things above, and the things above are the eternal things. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, and you're saved by grace through faith, and faith has to be obeyed, that faith will have its perfect works. There we see that it requires obedience, which is called sanctification. No one comes in sanctified, they're holy, but it is a progression, line upon line, line upon line, precept upon precept, precept upon precept. Here a little. They're little, till we come to the measure, the stature, the fullness of Christ. There are four basic stages of growth in a Christian's life. The first is a newborn baby. They've been born of the water and the spirit. Most don't get that right. They have been told, unfortunately, that all they say is a sinner's prayer and they're saved. Or ask Jesus to come into their heart and they're saved. Nothing about baptism for the circumcision of the heart. The circumcised means to cut off the body of the sins of the flesh. The only way for that is by baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. You'll see that 
in Romans 2, 28 and 29. He is not a Jew that is outwardly circumcision of the flesh, outwardly. But he is a Jew, that is the church, the ecclesia, the call that ones, who is one inwardly, circumcision of the heart in the spirit. The spirit, the human spirit, has to be circumcised. And that is through the putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision made without hands, the circumcision of Christ through faith. It's only through faith in the operation of God. God takes a spiritual scaffold. And going down, buried with Jesus in baptism, Romans 6, 1 through 4, that you're buried with Jesus in baptism, raised in the newness of life, the body of the sins of the flesh destroyed, the old man literally destroyed by water baptism. And we're now, that is going and being proclamated all over the world, and many are going into deeper things of God being obedient to the things of God, obedience to the scriptures. If we don't obey the scriptures, and we just take what some pastor or some denominal uh, idea, ideology, or apologetics tells us, that we're going to find ourselves short. We have to find the will of God for our individual life to find the will of God and purpose of God for each individual believer in Christ. And that requires us to go on from a newborn baby. The newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word they may grow thereby. We all know that. But you're not content there. You're pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Even Paul stated that in Philippians, Church of Philippi. He said, not that I have already attained or that I'm already perfect, but I'm trying to apprehend that of which I'm apprehended of Christ. It's a compelling force in us that compels us for the leading of the Holy Ghost to obey obedience under righteousness. Very few understand that because we've been taught that when you're saved by asking Jesus to come into your heart or saying the sinner's prayer, that that's all there is to it and you cannot lose your salvation. No way that you can be blotted out of the book of life, which the word of God states totally differently opposition to that. In Revelation 22, the Lord himself said, that if you add any things to the words of the book of this prophecy, the plagues of this book will be added to you. And if you take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, your name will be blotted out of the holy city, taken out of the holy city, and blotted out of the book of life. Now we should fear. Fear God. When those that fear God keep his commandments. And they're not grievous, but are for our salvation not to destroy mankind, but to have us sanctified, called to be saints. A saint is one that is sanctified holy, both spirit, soul, and body. And Paul admonishes that to the church of Thessalonica, that, that we all may be presented blameless at the coming of the Lord, both spirit, soul, and body. And he says those things there to the church in Thessalonica. Notice 
as his salutation, as he is uh, uh, there talking to the church at Thessalonica, and he says, abstain from all appearance of evil. Then he said, and the very God of peace sanctify you holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y. That means, uh, and he states that, I pray God your whole spirit and uh, soul and body, that's body, soul, and spirit, be preserved blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a sanctification process that is essential there. Now, the men of God uh, that preached this gospel used to focus on sanctification, and therefore, belief of the truth and sanctification by the Spirit of God. That is an essential. You'll see that again, Paul talking there to the church at Thessalonica, and uh, he says there in Second Thessalonians, that second chapter, how we're saved. He says, we're bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord. Why? Because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation. Through the sinner's prayer? No. Through asking Jesus to come into your heart? No. Well, then how? Well, chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit. Sanctification, sanctified holy, both spirit, soul, and body, that we all may be presented blameless at the coming of the Lord, that the bride has made herself ready without spot, without blemish, perfect in all her ways. And it says, through the sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. The truth is a proceeding word of God. Man lives by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And that is progressive. And we see that, that God has shown forth his glory in the face of Jesus Christ. But we, the body of Christ, have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power might be of God and not of ourselves. No one has ever stated that works of the law would save anyone. On the contrary, but now we are servants unto righteousness. Where we were servants to sin, now we're servants of Christ unto righteousness. And that requires us to obey, called to be saints. That saint is one sanctified holy, both spirit, soul, and body. Paul goes on and says, Where unto he called you by our gospel, to the obtaining of what? To the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. How do we obtain that glory? A, a believer that is well-versed in the scriptures and full-grown, when you ask them a question and say, what is your desire? And they say, to see the glory of God to see the glory of our Lord Jesus, to hear that well done, thou good and faithful servant, to see the glory of God. We're called for that. Watch what he said. To the obtaining, obtain the glory. Obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. You'll see that in 2 Thessalonians 
at second letter to the church at Thessalonica, second chapter, and verse 13 and 14. But that is most of the time omitted from the gospel and salvation. That it's just one step. You ask Jesus to come in your heart, and he paid it on the cross. Therefore, he doesn't require you to literally mortify the deeds of the flesh. Sanctify yourself, holy, both spirit, soul, and body. Oh, no. Well, he takes you just like you are. Well, you can't be perfected there by just being born again. There could you enter a race. Don't you know that all run in a race, but only one win at the prize. Now we have to press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul stated that. He said, I'm not perfect yet, neither have I already attained. He wrote 14 books of the New Testament. There's some better thing provided for us that they without us should not be made perfect. They died in faith, having this testimony. They were looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. They died in faith, having never seen the promise. It states that, Hebrews 11, the faith chapter. But God requires us always to be walking in that present truth if we walk in the light as he's in the light, Jesus. That man that's entered into that light, which no other man can approach unto, nor see, nor can see, who only hath immortality. Now, if we walk, that is predicated upon an ill. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, Jesus, then and only then do we have fellowship one with another. That's the blood flow in the body of Christ. That blood flow is the word of God in the present preceding word of God. Eating the flesh of Jesus and drinking his blood. That's life flow. And then the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. That is an essential that we walk in the light as he's in the light in the proceeding word of God. For man lives by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God, which means it's always the glory going higher and higher. And we see that in 2 Corinthians 3, that God has shown forth his glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Somebody said, well, that's good for the Lord, but certainly not for me. He doesn't expect me to be perfected at least not on this side of glory. Maybe after I die and I'm in heaven, then he'll show me these things, these things that are perfect. No, he goes on and says that God has shown forth his glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Jesus had four faces, lion, man, ox, and eagle. We see that in the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and the gospels according to them. And, but he goes on and says, but we, the body of Christ, have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power might be of God, not of herself. It's Christ in us, the kingdom of God within us. And that is the glory that's revealed in and through the body of Christ, the kingdom of God, uh, there revealed in and through this royal priesthood, this chosen generation, this these living epistles that we, the body of Christ, are to always give this testimony and a reason why we're calling the hope of our calling. That's, that is our duty, to preach this everlasting gospel to all the world for a witness unto all nations. 
not just the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, but all, every individual member in the body of Christ are called to be a witness. You shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the most parts of the earth. All that have the Holy Ghost, Christ in them, are called to be witnesses. And everyone has a different ministration, same spirit, but different callings as it has pleased the Lord in the body of Christ. And fully sanctification is to find that will, the purpose of God for your life, and to obey and do it. And that requires us to search the Lord with all of our heart, to seek him diligently. And when we do, then he will reveal himself. He said, ask and be given you. Seeking you'll find, not going to be open to you. Jesus said, I stand at your door and knock. That's the door of your heart. If any man will hear my voice, we have to hear the voice of God. That doesn't come automatically. You ask a newborn believer, have you heard God? Well, most of the time, if they have, they're in the flesh. They want to. But the ones that are seasoned, not a novice, one out of novice, because being lifted up in pride, he falls into condemnation of the devil because proud look goes before fall and haughtiness before destruction. The devil knows that. Well, we shun the very appearance of evil. We're not ignorant of his devices. So we have a new convert. And we lay hands on no man suddenly, and we tell that new convert. Now, go on in the Lord Jesus Christ. Seek him daily. Eat the flesh of Jesus and drink his blood. Always growing up into him and never stop growing. Because all of us, no matter how long we've been in the truth of the leading of the Holy Ghost and the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Christ, that we are always pressing toward that mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And as many as be perfect, be thus minded. As Paul stated, I'm trying to apprehend that in which I'm apprehended of Christ. What is that? The Lord is that spirit. And Paul said, I'm I'm trying to apprehend that of which I'm apprehended of Christ. Well, what is that? That's the will of God. He's doing the will of God and pressing for that to do it each and every day there to show forth the glory of God in and through him and obtaining that glory. And we see that he says, leaving, forgetting those things which are behind, things of faith that he's already accomplished, reaching forth to those things which are before, always being hungry for more truth. And those that are hungry, that do, that's something we must do, that do hunger, and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. But righteousness requires obedience. We see that in Romans 6. Whosoever you yield your members as servants to obey. So servants, well, we were servants of sin unto death. Now we have been coming out of that kingdom of darkness and translated to the kingdom of his dear son. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean we just sit back, go to church, give everybody a high five, said, well, we're on our way to heaven? No. We're constantly presenting our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God in a sanctification, mortifying the deeds of the flesh through belief and sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth, the present truth, 
what God is doing and revealing in his revelation now. So God has shown forth his glory in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power might be of God, not of ourselves. The Lord is that spirit. That's the first thing he reveals. 2 Corinthians 3.17. The Lord Jesus is that spirit, not, not spirit man, not a God man. The man is God. In the days of his flesh, God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. In his glorification, now Christ is God, that man is been made a quickening spirit. 1 Corinthians 15, 45. Jesus has raised his own body from the dead, as he stated he would do. John 2, 19. Jesus stated, destroy this temple in three days, I will raise it up. That declares him to be God. He rose his own body from the dead. That is Romans 1, verse 3 and 4. He's declared to be the Son of God through the Spirit by the resurrection from the dead. What happened? Well, after he's resurrected, then he had to go be glorified. He told Mary, touch me not, because I'm going to my God, your God, my Father, and your Father, for I have not yet been glorified. Then he comes back right after this glorification, glorified for the Father's own self. He is the Holy Ghost then. In John 20, verse 22, he breathes on his disciples and says, Receive you the Holy Ghost. Receive that Christ, the Spirit of God. He's glorified for the Father's own self. And he states that. Breathe, believe breeze on his disciples said, receive you the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sends you remit, they're remitted. Whosoever sends you retain, they're retained. Why? That's a corporate body of Christ in the leading of the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, Christ in you. Well, we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power might be gotten out of ourselves. It's nothing of us. It's the Christ in us. That's a hope of glory. Then he goes on, the Lord is that Spirit. That is the revelation we must have. The revelation of Jesus Christ, first and foremost, that he is the almighty God. He's not a second person of the Godhead. He is the only true God, the blessed and only potentate, 1 Timothy 6, 15 and 16, who only hath immortality, Jesus only. That dwelling in the light, which no other man can approach unto, nor see, nor can see. That's Jesus. Revelation 3.21, he said, Even as I overcame and am set, S-E-T, down with my Father, where? Around, beside his throne? No, in his throne. All power in heaven and earth given unto him. That is uh, Jesus there in 2 Corinthians 3, Paul talking, tells us now what we're to do. He said, Now, the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Well, we have to stand there in the liberty wherein Christ has made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage, but it also requires obedience. Anybody that says is not a re- obedient doesn't understand sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth. We have to mortify the deeds of the flesh. Those that have mind the earthly things, even though they have the spirit of God being born again, but they don't set their mind and affections on the things above, but on the earthly things Paul states that they will be damned. They will not make heaven. They mind earthly things. Their God is their belly. They're looking at the earthly, worldly things, and any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in them. 
but they're told you can have the world and Jesus too. Not so. Any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is of the world, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh, the lust, the flesh, lust at the envy. They want these things. The, the, the man's life does not consist of the things which he possesses. Many have erred thinking gain is godliness. It's, it's godliness. Gain is not godliness. Your bank account does not reflect whether you are a Christian believing in truth or not. But yet that is a, a preconception that is given by the prosperity church. That if you go to their church, you're going to have a big fat bank account and investment portfolio second to none. You're going to have this barn and pull down your barn and build greater because your land will bring forth much goods. Notice that rich young, that rich man. The grounds of a rich man brought forth plentifully. He was blessed of God. And he states, what shall I do? I know what I'll do. I'll pull down my barns and build greater. I will advance and increase my business. Well, that's a good businessman. He didn't like cheat, steal but from anyone. And he did. He built bigger barns. And he said to his soul, Soul, take thine ease. Eat, drink, and be merry. You have much good stored up for many years. But that night, a voice came from heaven and said, Thou fool! This night, thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be that you have provided for? So is he that is rich toward self and not rich toward God. That pretty well sums it up. That's what Jesus stated. So he said, well, Brother Beard, that's too hard. We are told in our church, Jesus paid it all, and I don't have to do anything. Well, if that's what you believe, go ahead. But those that know the truth know that you have to mortify the deeds of the flesh, being sanctified holy through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth, not in the uh, prophets of the grove where God used to move, but in the preceding present truth of the word of God, walking in the light as he's in the light, for the path of the just is as a shining light that shineth more and more into the perfect day. We see that again, that when Paul stated that to the church at Corinth, stated that God has shown forth this glory, the glory that we have to obtain in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power might be of God, not of ourselves. He's chosen us to obtain this glory. In his foreknowledge, he's predestinated to be for us, the body of Christ, to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And those that he predestined, them he also called. Now we know there's many called, few chosen. Why? Because they do not keep running the race, reaching forth to those things before, growing up into Jesus, in the things of faith. They thought, well, I have obtained, I'm through, I've ran this race. He didn't finish the course, but he stopped and said, that's all I need. I don't need anything else. Just like the church of Laodicea said, I'm increased with goods. <clears throat> I am clothed, fed. I have need of nothing. Thank you, Brother Beard. I don't need it. Matter of fact, I'm going to turn you off because really, you're upsetting me. And somebody said, well, it's a hard truth. It's not hard. It's the truth. 
Madam Jesus, Paul said, have I become your enemy? Because I tell you the truth, in most cases, the answer is yes. If you're in the world, you're going to hate that, which is of God, because you're either going to love God and hate mammon, and, uh, or you're going to hate the mammon, love God, or you're going to love the mammon and hate God. Coming against the cross, enemies of the cross of Jesus. What's a cross? The cross is the government of God. Then I said, how did you get that? Paul said, if I glory at all, I glory in the cross. So I said, glory in the cross? Well, the cross is the instrument that Jesus is the whole government of God. You see that in Isaiah 9, 5. Somebody said, I don't want to do that. Well, then you won't make heaven because it requires a love for God above the love of self or any of family members except the man, man hate father, mothers, their wives, the husbands, sons, daughters, and yea, their own life cannot be my disciple. Jesus stated that. And in Isaiah 9, 5, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government, watch that government, the singular government of God, the government shall rest upon his shoulder, not shoulders, shoulder. The only thing that rested upon Jesus' shoulder was the cross. And as he bore it to Calvary, we find that his entails were so torn out by being flogged, not just 30 stripes save one or 40 stripes save one, but flogged over hundreds of times, Pilate thinking the flogging to literally kill Jesus. And we have that Simon of Serenity that bears his cross because Jesus' entail, his back was completely tore out. His muscles were ripped. He was a bloody, complete bloody human. His thorns were crushed into his head. Deep thorns that went through into the skull. His head was blown up as a basketball. Why? Because of the thorns of the world. He carried the curse of the world upon his head. As he carried the cross, going to Calvary, nailed his hands and his feet to the cross. There he was bloody from crown to the sole of his feet. First beginning the blood, uh, there being in an agony in Gethsemane, his prayer, being so fervent that he was in an agony, not just agony, an exponential agony. So much that on the cross, his visage was marred more than any other man. I remember a long time ago, I had a police officer uh, that stopped me and uh, going through a town. And because it was very late, going through a small town, uh, there on the ministry, going up to a revival, the one we were setting up. And because I was going through there late, he was just checking things out. I told him I was a minister. And he said, I've got a question for you. How can Jesus' message be marred the way he looked, marred more than any other man? He said, I pull people out of wrecks that we had to have the jaws of life to get them out of there. They were a mangled mess. And yet Jesus, not one bone of his was broken. 
and yet his vicious was marred more than any other man. And ask him, why do you think that God, that every light in the cosmos was completely dark, gross darkness upon the people from noon until three o'clock, three hours of total darkness, because he that knew no sin became sin for us. Physical is one thing. But his soul was in an agony, and he will be pleased when he makes his soul an offering for sin. The sufferings on the cross is unimaginable. It can't be duplicated by Hollywood. What the Lord bore on that cross cannot be put in words. It goes far beyond we can think or imagine what the price that our Lord paid for us who became sin for us. And they said, but, well, he he was not a curse. Cursed is every man that hangeth on a tree. Jesus hung there, despising the shame. The love is what held him to the cross. The love that spoke better things than that of Abel. Everyone that was killed or crucified or murdered, that blood cried for vengeance. It cried to be for the whoever killed them to be just uh, to be justly rewarded accordingly, to be held accountable. Jesus' blood, however, whenever he spoke and made intercession for them for the transgressor on the cross, said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, and made an intercession for the transgressors. Right there, the blood shed was that blood right there for forgiveness, for love. Love that spoke better things than that of Abel. That love still cries today to those that are lost. That come unto me and learn of me, Jesus said, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light, and he'll receive all that come to him. But we find that we need to do exactly what the Lord said in obedience for he that loveth God keepeth his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. But we've taken the scriptures and turned them into a lie saying that you don't have to sanctify yourself. You're not a servant under righteousness. You don't have to have obedience under righteousness. You're just ask Jesus to come into your heart and you're saved. That's it. Which is a blatant lie. Jesus never said that. He said, seek you first the kingdom of God, something you have to seek. And his righteousness, not ours, that righteousness is of God. It's by faith. But it has to be obeyed. If God gives us the power, the Holy Ghost, Christ in you, the hope of glory to lead us and guide us, and any person says, oh, I don't have to do that. I don't have to lay aside the works and the desires of the flesh. I can still do these things and still make heaven. No, we can't. And Paul states at Church of Galatia. He mentions uh, 23 things that bring forth death, 23 the number of death. We cannot make heaven in the lust of the flesh. We must mortify the deeds of the flesh, crucifying the flesh with the affections of the lust. The affections of the flesh is all earthly, the earthly desires. 
money, fame, fortune, all that a man that goes after in the world. And they say, well, whoever dies and has the most riches when he dies wins. Wins what? He lost his soul. What does a man gain if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Shall he give him the fruit of the body for the sin of his soul? Those that seek to save their life will lose it. Jesus states that. But whosoever will lose his life for the gospel's sake, that is doing the will of God for the kingdom of God, will find it. Will you lose your life for God? Those that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lust. Jesus said, except a man forsaketh all that he has, all the worldly possessions and all the things of this world, except a man forsakes all that he has, he cannot be my disciple, disciplined in the things of God. Yet, the Protestant prosperity church world and even fundamentalists will say, well, that's not necessary. You're saved and you're once saved, you're always saved. And uh, Jesus really doesn't want us to fear well, fear God. The fear God is the beginning of wisdom. And he doesn't want us to fear. Of course he wants us to fear. Fear God. We don't fear man. We don't fear him that hath power to, to kill the body. And that's all he can do. But fear God that hath power to kill the body and to destroy the soul in hell. That's who we fear. But what is required of us? To go on to perfection. God has provided some better thing for us that all that died in faith, having never received the promise, that there will be a generation, a seed generation, a Christ generation, that will be counted for the seed. And that generation, he said, some better thing is provided for us that they, all those that died in faith, that never received the promise, without us, should not be made perfect. The generation that comes out of perfection will go back and perfect all that that died in faith because there must be a harvest coming unto full fruition in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ unto perfection, partakers of his divine nature. So that's why that it requires, uh, the righteousness requires obedience. You'll see by one man's disobedience, sin came to the world, death by sin. Thus, sin reigned by death. But now, grace reigns through righteousness. Grace is not alone. Grace is effectual working of the Holy Ghost upon our heart and it's out reflection in life. It's a compelling force, a powerful force that works in us. But that grace reigns through righteousness, what he did, and now giving us of his spirit, nothing of us, Christ in us. But what do we do? We just follow the leading of the Holy Ghost. Somebody said, well, we call it Holy Spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit's always been the Spirit of God, always has been God, and always will be God, Jesus Christ. But when he took on a body of flesh and blood, the Scriptures call it the Holy Ghost. Jesus did himself. Why? Because the ghost is a spirit of a person and speaks of the blood of God himself. Somebody said God didn't have blood. He does and is giving us of his blood, which is in the New Testament given for you, if that is his body. 
if that was literally the man Christ Jesus, God manifest in the flesh, 1 Timothy 3.16, then it is his body. It is God's own blood. It is God's own body and God's own life in the days of his flesh. 1 John 3.16, there we know John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, the only begotten God, the only begotten Yaqeed, the only begotten one, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. He didn't come to the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. We understand that. 1 John 3.16, hereby perceive we the love of God. How? Because he laid down his life for us. Therefore, we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren, do as Christ did as our example. Acts 20, 28. Paul states, take heed to yourselves. Take heed to yourselves and over all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers. Why didn't he say Holy Spirit? Because the Spirit's always been the Spirit of God, but when it took on a body of flesh and blood, it denotes the blood of Jesus Christ to eat his flesh and drink his blood. And the ghost, uh, the Holy Ghost, gives Jesus uh, the glory that he took on a body of flesh and blood, died on the cross, was buried, and rose again, and then gave us of his ghost, the Spirit of God, through that eternal blood of Jesus Christ, of which there will be no end imperishable, holy, incorruptible blood of Christ in thou, in us, in the New Testament given for you. Washed in his blood, our robes made white through the blood of the Lamb, the righteousness of God by faith, through the blood sacrifice of Jesus, and the blood's not applied without water. Forthwith came out of Jesus' side with longer than a spear, pierced his side, forthwith came Blood and water. Not blood only, but blood and water. And if you haven't heard that podcast on Jesus that came by blood and water, this is he that came by water and blood both. Take a look at that. I know you'll be blessed. But why sanctification? Why do we have to obey? Because it's obedience that brings forth righteousness unto holiness in us. And any person, any believer that does not go on and find the will of God, the purpose of God for their lives, and in obedience do it, running that race and obtaining that glory, will not make heaven. Now, somebody said, well, Brother Peter, that's just way too far out. That's too far out in left field. We just can't believe that. Our pastor said, well, let's take a look at what the Word of God says. Jesus stated the constitution of the kingdom of heaven in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. He meant what he said, said what he meant. He did not mince words. He exactly, and everything that he said, in exact, exact declarative statements, exactly what the kingdom of heaven required. It's the bylaws of the kingdom of heaven. It's the constitution, what constitutes heaven, and those that make it and obtain it. And in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, he gives us uh, all that is required the greatest sermon ever preached upon the face of this earth. Jesus himself did it. Greater than anyone ever, ever will preach right there in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And as he did, he said, Be therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Matthew 5. 
He didn't mince words there. He said what he meant and meant what he said. Perfection is required. It's not a suggestion. It's a commandment. Well, then he goes on in Matthew 6. And he says, Late up for yourself treasures in heaven. Why? Where moth and rust are not corrupt, these not break through and steal. Where your treasure is, there's your heart also. And lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. What does that mean? Be rich toward God, not toward yourself. Don't be caught like that. Grounds of a rich man that brought forth plentifully, pulled down barns, built a greater, lost his soul. Because he was rich toward self and not rich toward God. Don't be found in that position. Our job is to point for reproof, rebuke, and correction for the body of Christ that love the truth to come into it. And that re- requires all of us as ministers to be first protectors of the fruit. And we have sold all. Somebody said, you sold all. The Bible says, sell that you have and give all. Luke 12, provide for yourself treasures in heaven. Jesus said, sell all. We sold all. The disciples sold all. Follow Jesus for so called. And Jesus said there in Mark 10, you'll have a hundredfold more blessing, more and more in this life a hundredfold more in this lifetime and life to come, life everlasting. There, the church there did also the same thing that Jesus commanded in selling all they did in Acts 2 and Acts 4. All that had possessions and lands and possessions sold them and came and laid it down at the apostles' feet and they dealt to every man severally as they had need. But that is left out of just about every denominal Protestant church is preaching today. You don't have to forsake all. You can keep possessions. You can keep all of that. Well, somebody said, well, what am I supposed to do if I sell all the things I've got? Well, I, I have to live. Well, seek you first of the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these other things will be added to you. That allows the, that from that day forward, everything that God, then he said, I give you a hundredfold more now, in this lifetime, brother, sisters, mother, that what? Yes, read Mark 10. It means that you're going to be fruitful in the kingdom of God. You're going to be able to abound to every good work. That's where your treasure is. That is why Cornelius, there in Acts the 10th chapter, this alms deed, the giving that he had done, came up a memorial before God. God sees where your heart is through where your treasure is. You can't just love Jesus in word and in tongue, but in deed and in truth, where your treasure, where you put your money. And when you do that, you show forth where your heart really is. And that is part of sanctification. It's right there in Matthew 6, 19. goes right there and says about your treasure. Where your treasure is, there's your heart also. Provide for yourself treasures in the heavens. The only way to do that is through all your arms deeds, your giving that is not only in money, but in mammon, but put and put mammon on the sacrifice on the altar for God, but also in your conversation. Now, hold the conversation, which is becoming to God, the Holy Ghost. Then in Matthew seven, then he states that not all the saying to me, Lord, Lord, will be able to enter in. Somebody said, oh, my goodness. Are these people that curse God for some reason, or what did they do? Well, because they did not do the will of God. 
So the quest for life is, is not just being born again, because there's four different growth states. You have to grow from a newborn baby. You have to grow. Don't be stunted and don't become there with rickets and stay on milk all your life. What does that require? It requires us to grow, grow up into Jesus. And when we do that, we go from a newborn baby to little children. Little children have grown. They have a revelation now higher in the knowledge of these scriptures. See the exceedingly great and precious promises given to us, whereby we're made protectors of his divine nature, growing up into him, in the things of faith. But when I was a child, Paul said, I spake to the child, I understood as a child, but when I became a man, I put away these childish things. There's only so much milk or that you can give the food to a baby. But as you grow, you can take more of the meat of the word of God. Now, we're not proclaiming just milk here on the word. God has said to us on the 19th of January, 2019, there to seal his people by his word. That is for full grown. Then wean from the milk on the meat of the word of God in full age, having your senses exercised thereby to discern both good from evil. And this wisdom that was preached by Paul, he said this wisdom that he is given that we have to preach also in the current proceeding word of God in the present truth. Not 2,000 years ago on Pentecost, we've gone far higher than that. We see here, Paul said, he said uh, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men. Don't go for traditional, uh, what we want to call denominal wisdom. But in the power of God, that's a leading of the Holy Ghost. Watch what Paul said. This is 1 Corinthians 2, verse 6. How be it? We speak wisdom among them that are perfect. Now, what does it mean there? Perfect? Well, it means those that are walking in the light as he's in the light. Because Paul said, as many as be perfect are thus minded. What? Pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. As many as be perfect, be thus minded. If you be any otherwise minded, God will reveal this even unto you. He goes on and says, we speak this wisdom to them that are perfect. Even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world to what? Unto our glory. We are to obtain that glory. How? Through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth of obtaining that glory. Now, God has shown forth his glory in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power might be of gotten out of itself. Back to 2 Corinthians 3. Then he goes on and says, the Lord is that spirit. That is the revelation that God has given now that he's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the ending, which is, was, and is to come, the Almighty God. There is no trinity, no binary, no oneness, but the man God, man Christ Jesus is God. He is that quickening spirit. That Last Adam was made a quickening spirit, 1 Corinthians 15, 45. That same Jesus that was crucified, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made him, the man, both Lord, Jehovah God Almighty, and Christ, the Holy Ghost. 
That's Acts 2.36. He is the blessed and only potentate, 1 Timothy 6.15 and 16, who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light which no other man can approach unto, nor see, nor can see. There, we are told there in 2 Corinthians 3.17, the Lord is that spirit. Now he's revealing that to us. They're coming out of this trinity. We have over a thousand ministers in Africa alone that have come out of a trinity denomination. And they're asking, where do we go from here? Well, you go on to perfection. You go on to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ to be sealed. He's not going to seal ones that are babies. He seals those uh, that are going to be in the present truth, present light, whatever the present truth is. Those are the ones that will be sealed, having that proceeding word of God there in the present truth in the word of God, that will seal them. Well, there, Paul goes on and says, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. That's then, therefore, in the liberty, when Christ has made you free, that's the law of the liberty in Christ Jesus. If we walk in that spirit, that law of the spirit of life, it's a law that we must obey in the leading of the Holy Ghost. We will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Because the spirit is enmity against the flesh, flesh is enmity against the spirit. And those that, that are walking in that spirit, in the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And then he goes and says, but we all with open face. Now in the Pentecostal season of God, 2,000 years ago, Acts 2.4, receiving the Holy Ghost, Acts 2.38, being born again of the water and the spirit, baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. That is, born of the water. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, born of the spirit, promising you to your children, remain your prof, even to as many as the Lord God shall call. And that is Acts 2, 38, 39. It goes on. This is what Acts 4, 12, the blood name of God, nor the name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved in the name of Jesus. Acts 10, Acts 8, 16. Philip goes down there. Um, they've been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, the name of the Lord. And Peter went down, laid hands on them, they received the Holy Ghost. Born of the water and the Spirit. Acts 10, Cornelius' house. He received the Spirit first. Then he said, can any man forbid water that they should not be baptized? They received the Holy Ghost as well as we, for he heard them speaking other tongues. Magnify God. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's the house of Cornelius. And we go on with Paul. And we find that he's seen the Lord. He's seen that great light. And who are you, Lord? He said, I am Yeshua, Jesus. Speaking to him in a Hebrew tongue. There, hard for you to kick against the pricks, Saul of Tarsus. Then he's told his call, what he'll be doing. He's a, he will be an example of long-serving preaching as a uh, minister to the Gentile. And he's healed of his blindness there after three days. And the night goes to him, he's healed of his blindness. After all of that, he still had to have his sins washed away. Here's a man who's seen God, knows the name of God, his name, Jesus, Jehovah's salvation, Yeshua. He knows his calling. He's going to be a preacher of the word of God, an apostle to the Gentiles. And he's healed of his blindness. Then, notice what Ananias says in Acts, the 22nd chapter. Mother Saul, why tarriest thou? Arise, what? And be baptized, washing away your sins. How? Calling upon the name of the Lord. Paul was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. We've missed that. 
Well, God's re- he is bringing us on and getting us to return to the truth that was once delivered to the saints that is now being revealed to the body of Christ to those that have an ear to hear and will obey the leading of the Holy Ghost. Then he goes on, and that was that Pentecostal truth. And Paul said back then, we see through a glass darkly. We have knowledge in part, whether it be uh, tongues or seed. And it, it goes on uh, that we see in part, we have knowledge in part. Then he says, but when that which is perfect is come, a time of perfection. Then that which is in part will be done away with. Then we will know even as we're known of him. Well, that's perfection. Coming to the measure, the statue of the fullness of Christ in all truth and all things, growing up into Jesus in all things that were not tossed to and fro, baby. When a doctor, we're forever settled there and that we have that kingdom which cannot be moved. We have grace whereby we may serve God with reverence and godly fear, realizing our God is a consuming fire. But we're not in the Pentecostal partial truth now. To those that have an ear and following the leading of the Holy Ghost, you know that's the truth. Now we need the body to come together. And I'm not talking about a local church body. I'm talking about the body of Christ universally throughout the land, the corporate body of Christ to come together in one mind, one accord, speaking the same things, and we're here for you. And that's what God spoke there to us on the 19th of uh, January, 2019. Seal my people by my word, even as I sent my angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God, so send I you. We have done our best to do that. We need to hear from you. God's doing it now. To those that have an ear to hear. But in the Pentecostal reign, there were things that Paul could not speak about, even though he had seen it. He was in the wrong season, just like the cherubim. Hebrews 9, 5, shadowing the mercy seat, of which now we cannot speak particularly. You go to churches, they think, well, the cherubim are, are angels. No, they're not. They're the church in the highest glory there is before the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ under perfection. They are the living creatures, uh, the zoe of Revelation 4 and Revelation 5. There we are not in partial truth now. Paul states that in 2 Corinthians 3, Now we all with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord. Now the face is always the glory. God has shown forth his glory in the face of Jesus Christ. The cherubim there have four faces. That's a capital C in Genesis 3.24. Why? Because it is the indicative of the Lord Jesus Christ in a type and shadow of him that he would have Four faces, cherubim, and a flaming sword turning every which way. What is that? That's him, the Spirit of God. The sword of the Spirit, sharper than any two-edged sword, right and dividing, dividing asunder the Spirit from the soul. So from the Spirit, only the Word of God can do that. Sharper than any two-edged sword. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Well, there's Jesus, capital C, cherubim, having the face of a lion, man, ox, and eagle. In the Gospel of Matthew, he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. In Mark, he's the perfect man. Luke, he is the suffering servant, the ox. And in John, the Gospel according to John, he is the eagle. Now, those are the four faces. Now, we are to come through for that, but it's only through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth that we obtain that glory. 
Now, in 2 Corinthians 3, he says, we all now, the body of Christ, with open face. Dear brother, sister, listen here. Don't be deceived. We all with open face now, in this time, in this present season that we're in in 2022, we now with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image, not something less. The only way we can do that is sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth, receiving our salvation, obtaining that glory of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Then that's how we're saved, salvation. There's no other way. And it requires us to do the will of God. Not only say to me, Lord, Lord, Jesus stated that in Matthew 7. We'll be able to enter the kingdom of heaven only those that do the will of God. There'll be many that will profess unto the Lord Jesus at that day, saying, Lord, we didn't know that was necessary. We look, we've done many wonderful works in your name. And in your name, we've cast out devils. In your name, we prophesied. Jesus said, I never knew you. Oh, my goodness. They didn't realize that sanctification, belief for the truth was, was necessary, essential for salvation and to obtaining the glory of God, of our Lord. And there's only one. They didn't understand that. They thought there was three. Somehow or another, this mystery could not be understood. It's a mystery of God, the Father, and of Christ, which is in him given to us. Paul telling us point blank what it is in Colossians 2, verse 1 through 9. There's a mystery of God, and the Father, of Christ. It's now revealed. Paul stated that in Ephesians 3, as is now revealed to his holy apostles and prophets. What did he do? He told the Satan, Colossians 2, verse 1 through 9. To the full acknowledgement of this mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. What is that? That God is Christ. Christ is the Father. They're one and the same spirit, not another. Not a trinity, not a two, not a oneness. But the man is God. That's what he said. In him, our head, all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. God's revealing those treasures now. God's revealing that wisdom and knowledge now. And we speak that wisdom, Paul said, to them that are perfect. He states that there in that to the church at Corinth. And he said this hidden wisdom. Well, what is it? It's a mystery of God and the Father and of Christ. In him are hid, and this is hidden wisdom. And he said to them that are perfect. He speaks that mystery to them that are perfect. And that's 1 Corinthians 2, verse 6 on. And he said, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world was unto what? Unto our glory. Where do we get that? Well, this salvation through sanctification of the Spirit, mortifying the deeds of the flesh, seeking and doing the will of God, hearing his voice and obeying it, servants unto righteousness. That's why Paul stated that, that we all with open face Beholdings in the glass, the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord, growing up into Jesus in all things and all truth, so that we're not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. And he states that we're to obtain that glory, which none of the prince of this world knew, and he still don't know. 
For had they known it, they would not have crucified who? The Lord of glory. That's a capital L, the Lord Jehovah God Almighty himself. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. For, but God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. That's where we are now. Well, then what does that mean for us? Well, we have to know the voice of God in order to obey it. Most don't even know the voice of God. And is that something that is so far out that we can't reach it? No, of course not. The Lord wants to give us the kingdom of God more than we want it. It's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, then what do we do? How do we do it? Very simple. He said, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Don't think that you don't have a cross in your life. All of us have a cross, a cross to crucify the flesh, to hear the voice of God and obey it under righteousness, which yields the peaceable fruits of holiness, without which no believer will see the Lord. We have to go on adding to our faith virtue, virtue, knowledge. Knowledge, temperance, temperance, patience, patience, godliness, godliness, brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness, charity. That is a growth process through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth to obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ, which we're called for, speaking this wisdom to them that are perfect to the obtaining of that glory. Now, what are we doing? Well, we have to obtain that through obedience. Somebody said, well, I didn't know we were supposed to obey. Well, take a look at Revelation, the second and the third chapter, and Jesus talking to the church at Ephesus, Smyrna, Perkins, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Everything and every time he speaks the voice of God, the voice of the Son of God, the voice of the Lord Jesus himself, the voice of that spirit says, I know thy works. These are works that accompany salvation where faith will be made perfect. And that's what he's looking for, perfect works. You'll see that in Sardis. He said, I have not found your works perfect. In Ephesus, he said, I have somewhat against you. You left your first love. Repent and do your first what? First works over. Lest I come and remove your candlestick out of its place. You'll have no light. Well, how do we and what do we do now? For the salvation of our soul, we simply obey obedience unto righteousness. You see that in Romans 6. Whosoever you yield your members of service to obey him, the service to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death, that's to be there a carnal mind, even though you have the Spirit of God, you still got a carnal mind setting your mind on the earthly things, uh, even though you have the Spirit of God. They're rather than are of obedience unto righteousness. Well, grace reigns through righteousness, and that requires obedience. To grow up in him in all truth and all things, new wine must be put in new wineskins. This is a new thing God is doing. And it is a radical change from Pentecost. Now, we'll be bringing this to you over the podcast to those that have an ear to hear. And those that do, the ones that's been told that, well, this is it, you're, that's it, you don't need anything else, 
And these are hard things. Well, this is not for you. We speak wisdom to those that are perfect. It's a hidden wisdom of God going on to the measure of the statue of Jesus Christ under perfection. Only those will be the ones that will have obtained that glory that will obtain entrance into the kingdom of heaven. Jesus stated that. He said, not all that call me Lord, Lord will be able to enter in. Not all that call me Lord, Lord. You can't call Jesus Lord except by the Holy Ghost. And they're saying, Lord, you mean we can't enter in? Jesus said, I never knew you. Well, wait a minute. We prophesied in your name, did many wonderful works in your name, cast out devils in your name, and we can't enter in? No, you didn't do the will of God. You still had your mind on the earthy things. You didn't do the will of God. You didn't crucify the flesh with the affection of the lust. You did not make yourself vessels unto honor, meat for the master's use. And because of that, there's no entrance into the kingdom of heaven. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Don't be one of them. How do we do that? What do we do then? Well, we learn the voice of God and obey it. And that requires us to grow. Not just newborn babies. Not just the little children to know that he is the Lord. And that's the reason they, they were little children that said to Jesus in Matthew 7, Lord, Lord, not all saying to me, Lord, Lord, will be able to enter in. Because they didn't do the will of God. They didn't go on and complete and run this race unto the end for the salvation of their soul. They didn't make it. Now that is a terrible, catastrophic event, not being able to enter the kingdom of heaven, thinking that they've got it made. That's, that would be the, of the utmost catastrophe, catastrophic event, hearing, depart from me, you the work of iniquity, I never knew you. That would be uh, this, the, the epitome of a mistaken identity, thinking you had it, and you didn't, and you lost it. And that was, that's what happened to Galatians. You did run well, but who had to hinder you? You did run the race. You were definitely in that running. You were newborn babes. You knew that he's the Lord. But then you went back, back under the law. You, you went back to that which you destroyed. You made yourself a transgressor. Paul said, who hath bewitched you, you foolish Galatians? I'm afraid of you, lest my labor be in vain. I have to travail again until Christ be formed in you again. Christ has to be formed. And you have to feed that inner man to grow up in you to the fullest of the measure of the statue of Jesus Christ under perfection and do the will of God for whatever that he has called each individual believer to do for me and you, both of us. Well, all of us have to do the will of God. He has dealt to every man the measure of faith. What measure? A good measure. He didn't short you. Whatever he's called you to do, he's enabled you to do it. Why? For the faith of God that he's given you. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life he now lives, he lives by the faith of the Son of God who loved him and gave himself for him. That's how we live. That through the preceding word of God in present truth. And that is... Uh, that preceding word is the present truth. And Paul stated, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Take that cross. 
and crucify the flesh with the effects of the lust through the leading of the Holy Ghost doing whatever the Holy Ghost requires you to do. That is the reason why Jesus stated, if any man come after me, let him first deny himself. You can't keep yourself. You're going to be crucified to self and do the will of God, not your self-will, but his will, not your purpose, but his purpose. And that requires a change in obedience unto sin, which brings forth death, or now obedience as servants of righteousness. That's required in all of us. And somebody said, well, I didn't have any idea that we had to do that. Well, the scriptures all through what the Lord said and all the apostles said the same thing, that it is obtained through obedience. All of them. Faith without works is dead. We say it in John's gospel. We see it in uh, uh, the revelation of Jesus Christ. We see it in the epistles. All of them stated obedience. And uh, there, how do you do that? Romans 6 says uh, that that obedience under righteousness required, which yields the peaceful fruits of holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Well, how do you do it? Well, you come from there, newborn babes, born of the water and the spirit, baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, receiving the Holy Ghost, that starts your race. Then you come to what? Little children, you know that he's the Lord. Jehovah God Almighty, the Father, you're not a trinity, tennis, or a oneness, you are Jesus only, and the doctrine of Christ established in that doctrine in him are hid all treasures of wisdom and knowledge, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, Colossians 2, 9. You know, he's the blessed and only potentate, the omnipotent. That's 1 Timothy 6, 15 and 16. That's Revelation 1, 8. You'll see that he alone is God, and there's not another. All right, but now that's little children. That's not full grown. Now we go to what? You go to young men. I write to you young men because the word of God is strong in you, and you've overcome the wicked one. Now to overcome, we've got to know the voice of God. And to know the voice of God requires us to search diligently and seek him diligently with our whole heart. And Paul tells us how in Romans 12, verse 1, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. That's holiness. Through these exceedingly great and precious promises that are given to us through obedience, that what? We are made partakers of his divine nature, of his glory, his kingdom, his honor. That is what we too are obtained and escape the corruption of the world through lust. We escape this world. I didn't mean a rapture. That means that we crucify the flesh with the effects of the lust and we reckon ourselves dead unto sin, but alive unto God. Somebody said, well, you can't be perfect in the flesh. Well, we're not in the flesh. You're not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be, that Christ dwelleth in you. So he said, I beseech you, brethren, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. That means that you're living a chaste, little, virtuous life for God, and then only acceptable, which is our reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world. Take that mind of the world out. Crucify that uh, flesh, the fleshly desires, with the affections of the lust. Crucify it. Mortify the deeds of the flesh. Then you'll live unto God. There, 
what? Not conformed to this world, but being transformed. A transformation's going on. That's not just one day and boom, instant, instant Christian. Well, it took them 28 years at Antioch to be first called Christians, but we think it's instant Christian. Just ask Jesus, shake that preacher's hand. You're saved. You're an instant Christian. You're instantly sanctified and you're instantly perfected. And there's no more that God expects of you. Well, that's a lie. That Paul stated, you're not conformed to this world, but you're transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? That you may prove what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God for each one of us. That's how we know the voice of God. Then he states in Philippians, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Well, not fear that, oh, we're going to lose our salvation. No, being confident in this very thing that he's begun a good work and this will perform to the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. But we fear God because we want to keep his commandments. We want to be pleasing to him. So we work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, knowing that it's God that's working in us, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. The Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, compels us to do the will of God in obedience unto righteousness unto holiness. And it's the Father's good pleasure, the Lord Jesus, to give us the kingdom, to be a partaker of his glory, to grow up in him and all these things and all truth. Well, maybe that's the truth. And those that think, well, I just have uh, uh, been born again and that's it. Don't need anything else. No sanctification, belief of the truth. No going up from Pentecost into the final tabernacles, not Pentecostals anymore, but tabernacles come to the measure of the statue of Jesus in this present season. This is speaking wisdom to those that are perfect, that realize who's perfect. The ones that realize that we're always pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, called as kings and priests to reign and rule with the Lord our God during the millennial. He said, as many as be thus minded. If you have that mind, then many as be thus minded are perfect. Man, Paul said, if you be any otherwise minded than this, God will reveal this even unto you if you seek him. So let's don't fall by the wayside. We will reap if we faint not. If we carry on, pressing toward the mark, being covered of this very thing, that he that has begun a good work in us will perform it. The hands of Zerubbabel, the signet, the sign, the ceiling there, has laid the foundation of the temple, and the hands of Zerubbabel, the sons of all, the two witnesses, the two olive trees, the church of the living God, will finish it. Zechariah 4, that's us. That's what God's calling us for. We'd love to hear from you. There, you can write to me. Love to hear from you. Post Office Box 2906, Longview, Texas. Zip code 75606. The contact information will be on the screen. But better than that, give me a call. Leave a message. I'll get right back to you. Why is it so important? Because the body of Christ has to come together. We can talk about it. We can talk about it to our neighbors and friends, other Christians. But until the body comes together in the unity of the faith to the knowledge of the Son of God, then the hearts of the fathers won't come to the children, children of the fathers. And we will still be as pray for every ravenous beast made a prey on every high hill. The body of Christ must come together in the unit of faith. God literally 
restoring that body right now to the revelation of Jesus, the true revelation, not a trinity, not a tunis, not a oneness, but a Jesus-only doctrine. He alone is God, there's not another. The blessed and only potentate, the omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, Spirit of God, Jesus only, that is, that Spirit, the Lord, Jehovah God Almighty, Jesus Christ. There, we are now believing God for us to come together and that unity of the faith speaking the same things. So leave a message at the phone and our country code plus one, 903-746-4885. I look forward to hearing from you and I'll get right back to you so that we can uh, fight the good fight of faith together, body of Christ coming together, speaking the same things in the unity of the faith. And by doing that, the Lord will fitly frame us together and then compact it according to the measure of every part and the measure of faith given to each one of us, which every joint supplies and edifies itself in love and we will all be edified, the body of Christ coming together. Let's do it. And uh, I look forward to hearing from you. Again, country code plus one. Area code 903-746-4885. I leave a message, I'll get right back to you. Now we pray God to, to perfect that which is lacking in each one of us, that we all may be presented blameless at the coming of the Lord, both spirit, soul, and body. Until the next day, brother and spirit saying, Behold, the real Jesus.